what is the biggest difference in their mindset of somebody that has the ability but doesn't quite get there? I think it's pretty obvious to know that the best players in the world are not satisfied with the successes that they've had. They don't win a World Series like, oh, I'm cool now, like, you know, I'm chilling. But what's not so obvious, and what I actually think is the secret ingredient to high performers, especially in the athletic world and beyond, is that What's going on, guys? Welcome back. This is Sean French, your founder and host of the podcast, Determined Society. Guys, today I have with me a very special guest. He's a new friend of mine. Uh, His name is Trevor Anderson. He is the owner and founder of Better Every Day, located in Orlando, Florida. He is a renowned performance educator, speaker, and multi-sport performance expert. TA coaches and mentors the youth and and educates other teachers and trainers. He has trained Super Bowl champions, Heisman Trophy winners, NBA All-Stars and Hall of Famers, MLB All-Stars, Gold Glovers, World Series champions and Hall of Famers, world number one golfers and major champions on the PGA and LPGA tours. Guys, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, TA is an amazing individual and I'm super blessed to have him on the show today. And I think you guys are gonna get a whole lot out of him. Before we get to the show, uh, please, if you are listening to this show, you know the deal. Please share it out to your friends, uh, your social medias. Tag me and TA in the stories. And uh, well, I'll definitely share it back with my audience as well. Um, anything that you guys can do to continue to spread the word of the Determined Society and the mission that we have going on here, it's greatly appreciated. So without further ado, TA, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Sean. It's a blessing and honor to be here. And uh, listen, man, I... I love when I see somebody that has the same kind of energy that I gravitate towards. And uh, ever since I've met you and known you through some mutual friends, um, I've seen and felt that energy in every single post, every single thing that you do, man. So, you know, I love uh, I love following people who have that positive energy, man. So let's get to it. That means a lot to me, brother. It truly does. Um, and I can say the same for you. The thing that I love most about you is not only just what you're posting about and the things that you're doing in Orlando, um, you know, with your, with your center, I can feel the passion from you. I can feel the love and everything that you do. And I think the world needs it. Society needs it, especially here in America right now. Um, No doubt. But you know, it's, uh, and we have some mutual friends too from back in the day. We do. We do. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. boy. Our boy JD, I, I talked to him the other day. He said, you were the man that he, he said, he, he's like, Hey man, tell him I love him. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love Jeff Dillman. He's a good friend and uh, an amazing person, first and foremost, an unbelievable coach and uh, somebody who's inspired me through the years as well. So uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad when I, when I found out that you knew him, it all made sense. (laughs) It all made sense, Sean. So so here we are. I can tell you being in the weight room with him back in the day in 2002 and 2003 at LSU, it was a scary, it was a scary situation. And dude, that, that staff, was loaded we had oh yeah you know tommy moffitt who's a legend obviously right. we had scotty cochran right mm-hmm. you know yep. um screaming yeah 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 way back in the day yeah yeah, yeah. you know and it turned into a <laughs> thing right. we had dillman right. yeah big valoria Vic, yeah man i mean yeah. bro it is yeah. Joe that, Danos, that staff yeah. was lit 
you know? That's just, and that's just from the strength staff. And then you had, you had Jimbo Fisher, you had mm-hmm. uh, Muschamp, you know, you had all these amazing uh, coaches and coordinators from all in one place. And then obviously coach Saban, yeah. um, who was the uh, head football coach. So not just baseball, which was, which is what you played, yeah. but football, like all of the sports across the board, we're just loaded, man, from the coaches to the players to the to the staff, to the strength staff. It was amazing. Yeah, Saban was a coach when I was there, and I and he had all those dudes. It was just if you look back at it, it's just it's it's nuts to see like how many amazing <laughs> professionals were on that on that football field, you know? And um, you no know, it was doubt. a special time no in doubt. my life. But yeah, man, Jeff <clears throat> Tillman's great, great dude. Um, so listen, man, let awesome. me ask you a quick question. Uh, I like to have a little fun sure. first, right? Um okay. before we get into nitty-gritty, but hey man. You know, what is one thing that people may not know about you that's so special that you want to talk about? I'm a nerd. Explain. <laughs> I'm a nerd, man. Explain. Yeah. No, I just, like, uh, I love learning about learning. Mm. Right? I love learning what, what like, um, I think one of the best ways, uh, one of the processes, the most, you know, um, deliberate processes of learning is teaching. Right. So my entire life, you know, not only was I my forever a student, but I always had this like burning desire to teach. And what I didn't realize at the time was that it's because I had some good teachers, mm-hmm. you know, along the way that inspired me to be a teacher. I ended up teaching school for for three years. I taught middle school. You know, everybody always says, God bless you. <laughs> you know, Dude, middle school is um, crazy, man. It's, it's crazy. But the interesting thing about those kids is that they're old enough to understand what you're saying, but they're young enough to still be not too set in their ways where they're impressionable, you know, where you can really make an impact. And so I love I love teaching middle school. But what you realize is that by teaching, you actually are reinforcing the learning that you're doing. So for me, um, you know, having that constant like teacher, student, teacher, student mentality, like that cyclical process for me has been something that has driven me. And it's, and it's never let me settle and be comfortable, not only with my own clients, but with myself. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm a nerd. I like I like biomechanics. I like like science. I like neuroscience. I like understanding the, the why, the, the real reason. You know, when I learned how to drive a stick shift uh, many years ago, um, <clears throat> you know, I had one friend that just said, hey, you just, this foot goes up and this foot goes down and then you move the stick. And like, that didn't make sense to me. As soon as I understood what was happening in the engine, then it made sense for me. Immediately I could drive a stick. So I'm the guy who needs to, I, I go from like kind of parts to the whole, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people go from, from the whole to and break it down to the parts. Yeah. But if I understand the parts, it's easier for me to concoct the whole. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I love just nerding out on stuff. Um, you know, I'm not a, voracious reader if you will but i will read things that are like if i think about an idea or i said i want to know more about that i'll dig into it deep you know and mm-hmm. i'll go after it and and so i'm I'm constantly trying to just be the person that's on not just the cutting edge to do something different but sometimes i like bringing and digging back what were they doing 50 years ago that was so successful that's still around today i want to know those things just as much as the new stuff too so i think uh books have been around for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, it's so digital these days that we kind of don't turn the pages anymore. Um, I love picking up something and turning the pages and just mm-hmm. getting smarter and better at what I do. There's something to be said about just turning the page, you know, because like, <clears throat> you can write notes in the margin, you know, you can always go back to it and you are actively engaged in the reading process when you're yes. doing that. Whereas digital, yes. too many things can go on. If you're on a digital iPad, you're on your iPad and flip <clears throat> right. it through. And then if it's connected to your iMessage, Sean French text you like, T.A., what's up? And then, like, all of a sudden, you're off, right? You're not, you're not on there reading anymore. Yes, exactly. You know, it's funny because you brought this up, and I love the fact that you brought up the fact that, um, you know, being a nerd or, you know, 
you always love teaching because it reinforces the learning that you're doing. Uh, you and I had an interesting conversation on the phone uh, about a week ago, and mm-hmm. and it was really it was really impactful for me because you spoke about a situation to where you weren't always such a great ball handler. Right. And you went into right. a story to where you were doing some instruction and you were tasked to give that. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that story? Because I think there's some serious power in that because I think all too often sure. we sit there, if we don't know something, who am I to teach it? And they go through this imposter. <laughs> right. It really just kind no of, doubt. you know, tweaks the mind a little mm-hmm. bit. So I love what you did with the mindset shift there. So please talk about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yo, so I used to, uh, starting in 2000, I started, uh, had the, the opportunity to work with uh, Vince Carter, you know, a uh, legendary uh, mm-hmm. NBA star. Um, and, if, you know, people didn't know Vince Carter. Um, you know, just all you have to do is turn on YouTube and type his name in and you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. about but gym, Vince and I are the same age. Oh, I'll just jump completely out of the gym. And one of the, just a freak athlete and just mm-hmm. a great player, a cerebral player. Um, and just had a, had a long, wonderful, he played in four different decades, <laughs> you know, not mm-hmm. very many people have done that anything for four decades and he played basketball in four different decades. But, um, but Vince Carter was somebody I had an opportunity back in 2000 to help assist with his basketball camps. He was a young player in the NBA and he was just starting mm-hmm. his basketball camps. And I got kind of accepted, uh, by the Daytona beach mainland family to come in and kind of be one of the coaches that helped assist. Well, you know, a couple of years in a row, I was, I was able to just be there as a coach. I ultimately would go on to be able to be the floor director and run Vince Carter's basketball camps at where, wherever he was in New Jersey or Toronto or Daytona mm-hmm. beach or wherever we were. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before I became into the position of, of running those camps, uh, I was, you know, I would be given a certain task at the camps. We'd have 20 different coaches and everybody teaching you're, you're teaching shooting, you're teaching defense, mm-hmm. you're teaching, you know, ball handling, you're teaching this, you're teaching that. And, uh, you know, Coach uh, Charles Brinkerhoff, who is a mentor of mine to this day, um, who was uh, Vince's high school coach and ran all the camps. And he said, you know, T.A., um, you know, I would love for you to do ball handling this week. <laughs> mm. You know, and uh, anybody that knows me said well, they know I might have been able to jump out of the gym. But, you know, nobody ever said, wow, he has these amazing ball handling skills. And, you know, it made me nervous. It made me nervous to, to be conducting something, not feeling like I was a, a good ball handler. And he said, don't worry about it. Just focus on the fundamentals and the basics. I said, cool, I'll do that. You know, so, um, you know, I just trusted Coach Brink in his process. And he said, um, you know, just stick with what you know. I said, all right, cool. So I started teaching the kids what I know. I started by patting the ball, patting the ball, and then doing figure eights through my legs, and yeah. going around my head, around my chest, around my waist. And then before you knew it, by Wednesday of the week, the, the, the camp was Monday through Friday, by Wednesday, Man, I was going left. I was going right. I was crossing over quick. I was like, man, because we would play basketball at the end of every day, you know, mm. with all the, you know, all the NBA guys and the camp guys. And man, next thing you know, my ball handling was improving dramatically in just a couple of days. And I just realized it, and it wasn't just a basketball moment for me. It was such mm. a teachable moment. Like, man, anything that you lean into, anything that you look at, you say, man, I am not very good at this, or I, I, I can afford to be better at this. Just spend some dedicated time leaning into it and, and take the most simply simple, fundamentally ridiculous aspects of it and just pound them. And next thing you know, you have a much higher competency, whether it's a physical competency, mental competency or what have you. You have a better ability at the end of a very short period of time and you actually start to increase. And the fact that you haven't been focused on it and then you spent some particular focus on it means whether it's neurologically or what have you, you're going to have that immediate pop, that immediate increase. 
And so I started using that same idea with other aspects of my life. You know, maybe it was writing or maybe it mm. was reading or maybe it was other, other different activities that I was doing. And I used that same dedicated focus on the fundamentals for a short period of time. And I had dramatic results across the board. So, you know, thank you for asking me a, yeah. about that story. Because to me, I, I didn't realize how impactful it was when we had the conversation. But, you know, for Bro, me, it, that's it, a big deal. What, if, if we could do that on a day-to-day basis, right, just lean into it. And, and I want to get to the leaning into the thing. But, like, having the ability or the, the courage to just lean into something like that and practice it and practice it and be vulnerable enough to like, feel like, okay, I don't know everything, but I'm going to do this, this, I'm going to apply this information and I'm going to go step by step. Right. Because at that point we can grow. And all too often right now is when, when people get, Oh, that's out of my comfort zone. I'm going to run from it. Right. It's like that growth just scares people. And, you know, I think at at one point in life, we all go through those moments, but it's super important. Just like when you're working out, you know, your goal is to put your body under so much stress that it goes into failure. The last two to three reps, it's uncomfortable, but there's Mm -hmm. growth. Right. And to your point, when you lean into something like that, when you lean into something like that, you are telling yourself, that you are going to move forward in attacking something that you don't feel very comfortable doing. And when, and when you're able to do that, right. Your threshold goes a little bit higher, Mm -hmm. right? So now you try things like, no doubt, no doubt about it. I'm still not going to skydive. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to do anything crazy like that. I'm not jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, (laughs) but like you feel like you can start taking on more risks and more and more things because you're like, well, if I did that, then I can do You know, have you, have you sure. noticed? Well, since it, you I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, it's ironic. You talk about skydiving because I have a 21 year old son. And last week, last Friday, uh, it, it was, it was one of his things where he said, man, I'm not afraid of very many things, but that makes me afraid. I'm going to go do it. And he jumped out of a plane uh, from like 13 or 14,000 feet. I'm like, I'm, like, I couldn't believe he did it. And now the ironic thing about it is, and he, he, he's a football player, college football player, yep. plays defensive back um, at, at Columbia. And he's already not afraid of anything, but he jumped out of this plane. He said right before he got out of there, he just, he watched people jumping out like, oh my gosh, whatever I got myself into. Mm-hmm. But once he, as soon as he got into the air, after about five, 10 seconds, it was like, I've conquered it, you know? And then um, now he wants to go back next week and go to the highest. He wants to go up six or 7,000 feet higher and do it again. So, um, yeah, a lot of things are on the other side of that, of that fear, that nervousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, the, but the, the best part about it is it actually is like a, like a master key that unlocks, you know, the next opportunity or the next uh, big nugget or the next big hurdle for you. You know, we have a, a, if you have a, you think you have this systematic approach of how you're going to conquer and accomplish everything, but you just got to do it scared. You know, you got to get uncomfortable and you got to uh, do things that make you nervous that maybe you're outside of your character even and uh, get it done. And so uh, to your point, yeah, I'm not going to jump out of one either. But my but my my obstacles and my hurdles are different ones. You know, there's different things that I jump out of, you know, to yeah. mean that help get me to the next level. I think it's important, too, because what your son did at that very, very moment and, you know, maybe he realizes it. Maybe the listeners don't realize it or, or maybe your son doesn't is the fact that he just, he's going to have a better season because of that. He's there's gonna, no doubt. I mean, like, no doubt. There's no fear. If you, if he literally conquered his only fear, then there's yes. nothing left to fear. Right? <laughs> yes. So it's true. Super cool. So man. true. 
That's super yeah. cool. Man, I, I love hearing stories like that. You're, you have another kid that's a really good athlete too. Baseball player, right? Yeah, my, my 12-year-old. He, um, um, he's playing his all-star season right now. They won the districts, uh, one of the hardest districts in Florida. Mm-hmm. They won that. And uh, this weekend, they're playing for the sectionals. Um, they get through that sectionals. And the next week, they're playing for state. And then after that, it's regionals. And, you know, they, they really have the team that has a really good shot to get to the Little League World Series, that's which amazing. was always a dream of mine. You know, I, I know you as a baseball player yeah. probably had the same dream as I had. We watched it on TV. And I mean, every day he's he's watching YouTube. He's watching every game of Little League World Series he can find. He's putting himself in a position, in a mindset right now. And he's thinking, here's how I would hit off of this guy if I was facing him. And here's what I would do. I would have fielded that ball differently in center field than that gentleman did when he went to field that ball. So it's, you know, what I love about it, without him realizing, he's immersing himself in a mindset to be successful when he gets there. So when he sees it, it's the lights aren't going to be too bright and, 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 the, and the, the stage is not going to be too big because he experiences it every single day. So he's already set the stage for himself. Now they got to do their job between then and now, and uh, hopefully they get there. So it's an exciting path. You know, um, those are the, those are the young athletes that turn into be uh, phenomenal and great athletes because that <laughs> gift right there or the discipline, because I think it's a discipline, mm-hmm. right? Um, to sit down and watch YouTube and actually study games is, mm-hmm. is few and far between at that age, man. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. there's division one baseball athletes and football athletes that aren't doing that consistently enough. So, you know, there's no Very question, true. you know, you and your wife have led to a point where, you know, they have seen your habits. And I always, I always say this, you know, um, your children are going to see you and they're going to lead, they're going to follow you wherever you go. You just better hope mm-hmm. you don't lead them into hell. You know, right. No, no doubt about that. This, this is an awesome, this is an awesome conversation by the way. And, and the cool thing is guys, you know, uh, role modeling (laughs) is a huge thing in the household, you know, Mm -hmm. and that is something that you and your wife created. I mean, you guys have an amazing, um, amazing business and you know, what you guys do, uh, making people better every single day in your community. Please tell the listeners, I have a lot of local listeners that probably love this information. Come check you out. Well, yeah, so Better Every Day is, uh, the whole idea is, is the relentless pursuit for excellence. You know, um, what we're trying to achieve, we know we can't get it all today. You know, I got this from my dad. My dad, uh, my dad passed away in 2009 from cancer. You know, yes, cancer does suck. Um, mm. You know, but, but he, what he left me was, was so substantial. A, a few nuggets of information, statements, and principles that I really live by. One of them was Better Every Day. And I remember us being 10 years old and, and well, me being 10 years old. And being in the backyard with my dad and, and, you know, wanting to put more weight on the, on the cement, you know, weights that are, you know, mm-hmm. resting in the backyard. And he said, listen, son, you don't have to lift the whole world to get better. You just need to get a little bit better every day. He said, if it's light, move it fast. i never forget that. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a very, very fit guy, 6'2", 200 pounds, just, I mean, fit, ripped, yeah. even, you know, to, to the last days. And, um, he said, you know, you don't have to do it all today. You just have to get a little better every day and you have to relentlessly pursue excellence. And so that's the type of mentality that we try to get across, not just to our athletes who are professionals, but we have a, you know, a, a, a whole lot of general everyday folks that come mm. because they want a higher level of health and wellness, you know, whether it's mental health and wellness, physical, obviously, um, but also emotional, spiritual. You know, we have our pastors trained with us. You know, we we have a great environment, a great family environment where everybody gets better and, you know, have a, a new project that we're building a, a, a new facility 
Um, we're working with a, a baseball facility right now, um, which you would love to have a have a look at. It's you know called TNXL, and and we are uh, we're sharing space with them for the moment as we're building our new one, mm-hmm. which is eight thousand square foot space, uh-huh. which is which is pretty amazing. So um, we're going to have the opportunity to continue to affect our community positively. Um, I work with Under Armour. You know, I've been with Under Armour mm-hmm. since two thousand and nine. And uh, not only do I work with Under Armour by just wearing the clothes and being a quote unquote ambassador, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the field for doing all the on field performance for the Under Armour All-America football, um, some of the other ones. And then Amber and I, my wife, uh, we have the Under Armour Under the Lights Flag Football League, where we have thousands of kids, uh, you know, throughout the course of a year that, you know, we have them playing from kindergarten to eighth grade, playing a very high level of, of flag football, you know, um, you know, where there's no just participation trophy, mm-hmm. like it's competitive, you know, you get a trophy if you win, you get a medal if you win. And, but what we're doing is we're, we're working with Under Armour uh, in the community, not just from the apparel perspective, but, you know, doing events at the Boys and Girls Club, doing events at the Brand House for, for Mother's Day, things of that nature. And we're trying our best to make sure we're, we're visible in our community, um, not just with what we wear, but with the actions that we take. So, um, so not only is that an extension of our gym, of what we have going on at Better Every Day, but it's something, it's we're called to serve, you know? So we want to mm-hmm. make sure that we're doing our part to maintain that service-based mindset in our own community um, and just help share some of that love, you know, because we can't keep it all for ourselves. We might as well share it, you know? Yeah, so. yeah that's awesome, man. You know, I just kind of want to, I just want to acknowledge you before I go any further, just saying that, you know, I've talked to a lot of successful people on this show and I love where your mind's at. You know, I love the things that you're doing. Appreciate you know, it. it's one thing to be an ambassador for Under Armour and work with Under Armour and, you know, but the fact that you guys are actually out there in the community partnering with Under Armour, you know, hand in hand mm-hmm. and providing such a safe and competitive environment for the youth. Yes. yes. There's not enough right. of that. There, I mean, and, and, and having that mission with such a big brand is huge, man. What are some of the things that you've learned most along that journey in, in providing the community with things like this? Well, I think one of the things that you learn the most is that the, the community is hungry for it, you mm-hmm. know, and it's almost like, a, if not me, then who? So on the opposite, on the opposite side of that imposter syndrome that we all, even the high performers and successful people t- tend to have, like, you know, who am I, you know, to, to, to teach this? Or who am I to lead that? You know, um, you start to realize that there are opportunities in our community that people are hungry for, that no one's taken the initiative to just bring together. You know, so what I found to, to, to answer your question uh, indirectly is that there are things in our community that are necessary, that are needed, that people really need um, if they're going to be able to reach their own goals but they don't have a systematic approach or they don't have a process or they don't have a, a, um, a roadmap to get there. Being able to have leagues like this, not only does it create an athletic outlet and activity-based outlet for young people, mm-hmm. but it also brings parents together in a very positive environment because, you know, the state of youth sports right now is getting a little bit crazy. It's getting more and more competitive all the time. It's like, you know, with the travel ball and all this and even, even youth football, tackle football, these kids are already playing tournaments, tackle tournaments and stuff like that. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not here to bash that. I'm just saying that the, the, the expectations of, of young athletes and the ratings and the rankings and the stars and all this, it's like, there are not very many safe places for them to go where they can just go have fun with their friends. Yeah. And that's what our league provides. It provides the opportunity to do that. And some of the other activities that we do, we want to take the pressure off. We want them to be able to just go really like, you remember what it's like growing up and, 
you know, I would, I would, and growing up in Sarasota, you know, I could get a bucket of balls with my friend and, uh, and, and jump the fence at little league and, and mm. play home run derby Word, or bro. we would go to the, to the, you know, football field and, or play football in the street. And like, there was no scoreboard, no referee, no stars, no ratings, no rankings. And we played. And I think the organic like athleticism and creativity and all that stuff that comes out in those environments are the key. So we're trying to provide a structured aspect of that, a structured aspect of play where, yes, we do want to win, you know, but, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's lessons in losing, just like there's lessons in winning. But if nobody wins and nobody loses, then we miss all those opportunities. So we're just trying to provide a platform for people to do that. Um, You know, and, and, and it seems like for right now, the biggest, the biggest benefit that we found from it is not financial. It's not even getting people to come to the gym. It's that thank you so much, Amber. Thank you so much, Trevor, for providing this outlet, you know, because otherwise our kids wouldn't have this positive environment. We play all these leagues. We do all these tournaments, but this is where we love playing the most. This is what they get eager and excited for is coming to play in your league. So that means the most to us. You know, I think it's super important. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to bash youth sports, although I may have a few months ago. Um, I don't take back (laughs) what I said, because here's the thing. I just feel like there is way too much pressure on these young kids right now to perform at such a high level. And they are tying their self-worth to their performance. They're human beings, not human doings. Okay. I had um, a very good good guest on my show, um, Seth Pepper. I think you know him. Um, we, We had a conversation probably about two, three months ago and you know, it's gotten out of control and it's getting to a point where, you know, parents, you know, their kids are eight years old and they're playing, their kids are playing 64 baseball games in a summer. And it's like, guys, what are we doing? You know, like, and and then, and then the atmosphere at these games, it's like parents are trying to fight umpires, coaches. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. This is really interesting to me. And it came out at the time that I released that podcast in a couple, um, couple reels uh, on, on new sports. There was a coach that did not agree mm-hmm. with a call in a, in, in mm-hmm. I think it was a 10 U game, baseball game. Yeah. yeah. He literally took the umpire's face and shoved them to the ground. Wow. It's like, what are we doing? What are we teaching it, our children? It, it just, it just doesn't even surprise me. You know I mean? Because I've seen so much craziness and, mm-hmm. and but here's what I think though, Sean, I, I think that, <clears throat> look, I can't control these parents. I can't control the umpire. There's umpires out there. They're out there for their own glory as well. So don't oh, absolutely. You know, make no mistake. So mm-hmm. I can't control them. But what I can do is I can have the conversations in my house with my son right. And manage my own environment the best way possible and say, listen, son, I, I know like his, his, he's, it's almost like a meteoric rise. This, this kid's having with baseball mm-hmm. and he's going like this. And now after this all stars is over with, I'm shutting that down. We're, and it's football time. Good for you. We're not going to throw every day and we're not going to hit every day. You're mm-hmm. 12. You're going to be fine. I remember when I was 12, as soon as the season was over, guess what? It was football time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, we can't be, we can't go along to get along. You know what I mean? We can't be that out there doing exactly what the industry said. I get an email every single day from perfect game. Oh, does, oh watch out. It's almost too late for you to sign up for this tournament, bro. I mean, like at some point, you know, we have to be able to, it's the early specialization that's getting kids hurt. Mm-hmm. It's getting them burnt out. And I don't need to get into the science of all that. It's just really a lot more common sense than science, but um, having a comprehensive movement, uh, you know, foundation that is a multi-sport movement-based foundation. 
I think it doesn't hurt anybody for any sport to have that multi-sport. You're not going to miss out. If you take a few months off of throwing, you're going to be fine, especially at 12. My goal is to make sure that we create, and especially through our gym environment, whatnot, that we create a comprehensive, like movement-based athlete that has a high level of physical literacy so that they can compete in whatever activity they do, right? Because we don't climb trees and, and dig holes in the woods and jump them with our bikes, stuff like that, like mm-hmm. we used to. But right. that doesn't mean that we can't expose them to a, a multi-faceted uh, you know, movement-based you know, uh, protocol with the activities that we put them in. Um, and it's okay if they don't want to do those things, right? They still got to do it because we're the parents, Yeah, you know? So I don't want to just be subject. I don't want to be subject to the monster of youth sports, um, and keep everything, you know, kind of as verse as, as kind of as many variables as possible. At some point you're going to have to specialize. I realize that, but right now when they're in that age, when their bodies are just trying to develop everything, it almost is a disservice, um, in most cases to keep them on a one track because uh, they're going to miss out on the other aspects that can make that one track, you know, uh, as good as it could possibly be. You know, it's funny you say that. I don't preach to the choir. I don't preach. No, to the I, mean, I want to say that yeah. because no, I'm glad you're saying this because you know, it hurt me. By the time I got to LSU, I wasn't athletic enough. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't dynamic enough. And then bad mindset, victim mentality all drove me down a road that I didn't want to go down. And I never turned yeah, out to yeah. be that high level performer at my dream school. Yeah. And, you know, I won't say all of it is because I specialized too soon, but man, I'm going to tell you a lot of it was, I wasn't strong enough. I yeah. didn't have yeah. enough tools in the belt, you know, yeah. and, right. and what I found is, you know, you can hide it in junior college, oh, yeah. but oh, once yeah. you get to the SEC, Bro, you yeah, can't hide that, man. No, you know, you, the, you got a catcher that you're competing against for some playing time, and he was an he was an all American in baseball and all state in football. That yeah. that dude's tough. Yeah. It's tough to yeah. beat. Yeah. You know, one of the yeah. things I want to touch, I want to take the opportunity because you and I also had another amazing <clears throat> conversation in the same conversation we had. We touched on stories uh, with the yeah. youth and. It, it, what you said about, you know, sitting your son down and having a conversation with him really triggered that story about, um, you know, the, the generation like us preparing our youth to lead from the front right now. Um, and we talked a little bit about the, the, the Indian culture, um, the American yeah. Indian culture. And I, I want you to touch on that for the listeners, because I think it was a very interesting perspective and quite honestly, it blew me away. So, um, fire away dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I had the the honor to to listen to a a native a Native American uh, gentleman who's about forty years old um, from Navajo tribe, and you know everybody knows about COVID and COVID happened and all that type of stuff. But if you understand um, the Native American culture, you know the way that they continue to survive generation after generation after generation is they hate the, the culture is to tell stories, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's a gather around a campfire or a dinner table or what have you. And they have, you know, the grandfather and the great fam- grandfather and maybe the great, great grandfather. And they continue to, to tell these stories. And the culture is to get together, tell stories, break bread. And, and I never, I guess it never occurred to me, but uh, hearing the story a couple months ago, um, the biggest challenge that the, the Native American um, were having on the reservation was that, what COVID was doing was it was hitting those communities harder than any community in the country. Mm -hmm. And 
all of the elders, the majority of the elders are starting to die and starting to succumb from this terrible disease, right? And um, not only was the physical person dying, but the stories that they tell around that campfire were also mm. dying with them. And what happens is middle age, you know, whether you call 40, middle 40s, middle age, 40s and 50 year olds, you know, they weren't the ones that had to lead from the front in the storytelling because they always had their, their parents and their grandparents. And, you know, you had your 70 and 80 and 90 year olds still telling those stories. But who is going to tell the stories when the elders begin to unexpectedly die off? Mm. And now you're the oldest member of the family now. And now you're the one sitting in the driver's seat to tell all the stories. Right. I think the biggest challenge that we're having in America right now uh, and beyond is that we're sitting back and waiting to be the storyteller. We have significant experiences in our life to this point. I'm 45 years old. And man, I was just thinking about it the other day, like, man, I've seen some things. I've been through some things. I've struggled through some things. I've had some successes. Like there are things that the reason why we're having this conversation right now is because we have stories to share. We have lessons mm. to share. We have moments to share successes and failures to share. But we can't wait until we're 70 or 80 years old to start sharing them. Right. I think if anything that I learned through that conversation, just listening to the passion of this gentleman speak was it's an indication that right now is the time. Right now is the time to share information. God did not bless us with uh, this information and these experiences just so that we can keep it to ourselves. Mm. Right? These experiences have got to not only help ourselves, but help the next generation. And we need to start telling those stories now. As a matter of fact, you know, there are stories that we've learned because of how society has changed that we can share with our parents if we're fortunate enough to still have one or both of our parents around or even share with our grandparents because they don't understand what's happening in society today. The same way that our kids were learning. I learned a lot from my 12 year old. I learned a lot from my 21 year old, you know, and being able to, and being able to sit in that driver's seat and say, okay, you know, buckle up. It's time to tell this story because listen, you know, at one, at some point or another, we're not going to be around to tell that story anymore, you know? And, you know, if we take it, if we take it to the ground with us, you know, then that's an opportunity lost for everybody around us that we care about. That's a really great point. And again, you know, I mean, there's so many great nuggets in that story. Uh, the big one is if we take things to the ground with us, like you said, we don't just take the stories. We take the culture with us. Exactly right. And that's exactly. the thing. Like we don't want the culture to die. And it's so funny no. because like when you, you know, the first thing I thought when <clears throat> we got off the phone that day and you're talking about that story about the, the, um, the, the, uh, the, the gentleman from the Navajo tribe that you spoke to, I was like, man, that's really, you know, it's a really good point. You know, Native Americans, they tell some great stories and it's really mm-hmm. unfortunate that the elders are, are passing away from whether it's COVID or, or whatever it is. It's, it's really upsetting because that culture is going to suffer for generations if the, young, if the younger generation is not prepared and ready to tell the stories right now. Right. And it, may, it, it reminded me of some of the most enjoyable times of my childhood was sitting at my great grandparents place for family reunions every labor day in Clear Lake, California. We'd all go there. Excuse me. Their home was located right on a Creek. Um, at nighttime, all the adults would sit around, you know, in chairs and they would have their beers and listen to Randy Travis on the, the great Hawks. Uh, He was, you know, he was the man back there, right? We were jamming. We're playing croquet, badminton, and the one thing that I will always remember is wanting to be 
sitting in that circle at night with a fire, listening to stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even in my family now, there's, I mean, my, my, my home, we tell stories. We talk at the dinner table every night, TV's off, awesome. no electronics. We do, you know, we, we do our, what, what we're grateful for. Every person goes mm-hmm. around, tells the t- 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 what the three things that we're grateful for. Amazing. Three Amazing. things that we could have done better today. Mm-hmm. That we failed at, right? I got right. my three-year-old doing it. My wife's awesome. incredible, by the way. That's not all me. My wife is <laughs> right. fixated on making sure that our children have enough tools to get through adversity and to be able to Amazing. properly handle successes. And that's awesome. Not, and it's not, that's not going on right now in in, in society. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not as a whole. We're not having these conversations at dinner. You go to you go to a right. go, go to a restaurant. All right, go to a restaurant with your, your beautiful wife and your two handsome boys and you're sitting down and, you know, you look around. If they aren't on their own tablet, they're on the tablet that's provided to them at the mm-hmm. restaurant and they're playing games. <laughs> right. Connecting. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that I loved about that story because that is a true way to connect is it through is telling indeed. stories, you know. For I sure. think you learn a, sure. a lot about people that way. I, hell, I've learned a lot about mm-hmm. you. It's that one conversation. You told me two stories. Awesome, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you start to realize it and, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's just a, the age that I'm, that I'm at right now. And I was just thinking, man, like I'm watching my son practice at 12 years old and I'm, I'm, I remember being 12 on the field in all stars. And I remember every single player. I remember what we were doing. I remember the specific practices. I mean, and I don't have a bunch of video because it wasn't social media. I have a few pictures and stuff like that, but it's like, man, I remember it vividly. And man, that was 35 years ago. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Almost 35 years. Ago. So it's like, man, like this, t- this thing happens fast. Dude, you know, so, quick, so if bro. not now, then when, if not now, when yeah. I'm not, I, listen, I'm not sitting up here and trying to tell this entire podcast that I'm Mr. Go get it. Like every single time, every mission, I, like, come on, man, we, we all battle yeah. that, right? If yeah. we don't set up ourselves with a systematic approach to kind of attack these things, we won't, but we're not always going to feel like we're not going to always love it every single day. We're not always going to want to get up and attack our process every single day, mm-hmm. but we know it's required. If we can, as, as non-negotiable as we can make it, we have to, but sometimes we do fall short. We do. And the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God, right? So we're all going to fall short in one way, shape, or form. But what do you do next? You know, what do you do next? And if you know that storytelling is something that's going to help your family, you know, then or your society or your community, look, you have a decision. You have an opportunity right now. Let's start telling those stories authentically. Yeah. Yeah. That's been the shift in my career. I mean, I've been coaching for a long time. Over 27 years I've been coaching, you know, athletes. But now it's, and you know, I've been done my own sports as a professional athlete, but now it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's not enough just to be coaching one or two or a group of people. Now it's time yeah. to start telling these authentic stories and sharing these, these, these uh, opportunities for success and also sharing your failures so that other people can learn from your mistakes, not just you. you, know, you yeah, exactly. And you mentioned um, a very important phrase that um, a mutual contact of ours talks about all the time, Ben Newman, um, attacking the yeah. process and you know, process over, over feelings. And you know, that's a certain mindset that a lot of times, you know, I catch a lot of flack for, you know, and, and I'm yeah, sure, yeah. you know, a lot, of, but most people don't understand it, what it really means. It doesn't mean we're perfect. Right. It just means right. 
that we know that if there's something to be done and it's a part of our daily process to not mm-hmm. let our feelings get in the way of that work right. getting done. Because right. when that happens, <clears throat> we negotiate with ourselves, then we start to let our dreams go. We start, right. we, there's no we, doubt. We decay. And then our children see no that. Doubt. Right. Yeah. So I think it's super important. That mindset right there, you know, is, is, is something that um, I think it's invaluable, you know, to do. No, yeah. The, just the, the, the process of feelings. I mean, it, it has to, it has to be. And that's something I really learned from Ben spending my time that I've been spending with Ben, especially over the last several months. Um, you know, you have to be able to have that process in place. I mean, you can say process over feelings, but if you don't have a process, then what are you putting in front yeah. of your feelings? You know, yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's about doing the unrequired work Ben talks about, you know, there's, there's a workout that you're going to do three days a week or whatever, but then there's unrequired work that is like brushing your teeth every day. And I always say it like this, like it's like brushing your teeth, right? Brushing your teeth. You don't, you don't brush your teeth to make your teeth better. You're really actually brushing them so that they don't get worse. Right. So we don't want our teeth to get worse. Right. That's why we're brushing them, right? So it's not like every time I brush, I put another layer of beautiful enamel over the top and it's just no. going to discontinue to, you know, it's so that they don't get worse. And we got to realize that. And there's something that Jeff Dillman, when Jeff Dillman was at uh, South Carolina, <laughs> he said, we went in there one day, I went in there with my son, as well, my son was on a recruiting road, recruiting process. And Dillman said, uh, he said, ATA, you know what I tell him? I said, well, he said, I tell him, forget your feelings. Forget your feelings because... Your, your feelings get you beat and me fired. And bottom line, I mean, and that's really what it's about. Like your feelings can get in the way and they can interfere. You can play emotional without being in your feelings. That's yeah. a, there's a difference there. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that if you, if, you let your, if you let your emotions guide it all, right? If you let your feelings guide it all, you're going to be playing catch up the whole time. But if you really play with a positive level of emotion that's integrated with the process, now you're creating success. Hey, it's super important, man. Let me ask you a quick question. Have you ever tried the unrequired right. workout? Oh yeah. Oh, I've done it. I've done it. With, I, I did it with Ben two weeks ago. You know, did you? um, I, did you go I to the boot did camp? him there. He, I did. And nice. he came to Orlando. Um, he came to Orlando and he's like, TA, what's up? I'm going to be in town on Friday, 6am, you know, meet me at the spot. I was like, I'm there. That's you awesome. know, so, you know, and, um, I think what's also important too is that you get into somebody else's unrequired work once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, because, because Ben wakes up and he's been doing this now for, you know, like 1100 straight days, it, over 1100 straight days. He's, he's, a, he's a machine, but you know what? I see what it does to his mindset. I see, mm-hmm. I see that it's like, he, he has to have it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, I had a chance to train with him and his trainer, Jamie. And it, I mean, look, he's got to have it. It's not, it's not, it is non-negotiable. Mm. sick tired it doesn't matter right but what it does for his mindset is it sets him on a path of accomplishment like we talk about stacking those wins right and stacking those you know as building blocks and really standing on top of them to achieve the next goal you know it's like making your bed in the morning i've achieved something that unrequired work i'm done with it i've achieved Mm -hmm. it i've got my process i've written my affirmations i've done everything i need to do now i can attack the day and if i get nothing else done today i've already accomplished a lot Exactly. You know, so, um, and, 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 uh, you know, tra- full transparency again, you got to be transparent before we get better. I am not perfect at that. You know, I, I am, I'm better now than mm-hmm. I ever was, but I still have a long ways to go. And I aspire to be like people like yourself and like Ben Newman that have been able to achieve this unrequired work relentlessly for so long and so consistently. 
I also know that my best self is still out there, you know, mm-hmm. and the closer I get to dominating this process and, 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 and already tapping into this unrequired work on a frequent basis, I know the closer I'm going to get to achieving my best self forward. So I'm still looking for that guy. I do same here. I think every day yeah. that we're striving, like you, like your dad said, better every day. If you get That's 1% the, better every single day, be a better person, yeah. better man, better husband, better father, better professional, mm-hmm. better coach. Yeah. I think it's all yeah. we're shooting for. Right. And listen, I, you know, I, I surely don't have it all figured out. There's things that I struggle with too. For instance, today, you know, um, there's so many people telling you like, Hey, if you don't rest your body, it doesn't grow. You know, this and that, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't, you know, the lean muscle tissue doesn't repair it. You know, it, it grows in, yeah. when you rest. So like yeah. this morning I was like, man, I've lifted for like six, seven straight days. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a day off from the gym today. Let me tell me how, let me tell you how my morning was. <laughs> Never again, bro. Never again. I, I mean, like, listen, yeah. you know, I'll end up getting yeah. a workout in today. Right. But uh, my yeah. process is up at four. I'm pulling up to the gym by four 30 in the morning. And anytime I break away from that process, that anxiety yeah. starts. Yeah. My coping yeah. mechanisms I have less patience with my kids in the morning. They don't want to listen. When I'm trying to get them out of the house right. to go to camp, right? right. All these different right. things happen when we break away from right. the process. So it's a mindset, sure. you know, and, and, and for sake of time, I could sit here and talk to you all day, dude, but I got a couple more things I want to go over and, sure. you know, then we can debrief, but you know, um, mindset, you know, everybody talks about it. It's almost like this buzzword that everybody uses, but you have worked sure. with some amazing <clears throat> professionals, um, you know, women, professional athletes, male professional athletes, world series winners, gold glovers, hall of famers, all-stars, NBA all-stars, everything. What is the biggest difference in their mindset of somebody that has the ability, but doesn't quite get there? So I've mentioned this before and I, and I still, the more I think about this, the more true it is. So I think it's pretty obvious to know that the best players in the world are not satisfied with the, the successes that they've had. Right. So like, you know, they don't win a world series, but oh, I'm cool now. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm chilling. I think they, they all want more <clears throat> and in a very positive way they want. Mm-hmm. More, all right. So I think that's, you know, I think that's pretty obvious, but what's not so obvious. And what I actually think is the, is the, is the secret ingredient to high performers, especially in the athletic world and, and beyond is that, they also give themselves credit for the small victories along the way. They don't hold themselves to a standard of perfect mm. because perfect is, is, is if you were able to achieve whatever is perfect, then where do you go from that? I think that the, the best players in the world through history have always kept that carrot out in front of them so that they can continue to, to chase and drive and strive after something. I remember Michael Jordan would say he's, he'd never say he's the best because then he didn't feel like he had room to get better, right? Um, there's a, a, a mentor of mine, an amazing dude in the, in, the, in the fitness and performance world named Chris Frankel. He used to work as the uh, director of human performance with TRX, a company mm. that I worked with for many years. And uh, Chris Frankel used to say, and maybe he got it from somebody else, but I, I'll attribute it to him. He said, um, you know, people always say you can't let good be the enemy of great. And that makes sense. You know, you don't want to just settle. But, you know, you, but, but even more important is you also can't let great be the enemy of good. And what a lot of people that achieve a certain threshold, right, they are getting very good at what they do, but they are holding them to a, such a standard that they get all the way close to it without fully achieving it. 
And they don't give themselves credit for how far they've come because mm-hmm. they're letting great be the enemy of good. You can still be Guilty. Really, really, really good. <laughs> we all are though, but yeah, we all man. are, right? Yeah. And, and, but as long as we recognize that, like, like, dude, like, and I used this example before, like, you know, what if your goal is to, uh, to get to the masters, right? Uh, you know, and you're, you're, you're a golfer and you want to get to the masters. Well, or to win the masters, let's just say. Well, you get to the masters and you go, you, you finish T4. <laughs> right mm-hmm. at the masters now i mean has your whole career just been a disappointment now at this point because you didn't actually win and you you lost right. by two strokes and you missed it by two strokes like you have there has to be value in getting taking the value out of what you have achieved to get to that point because you're in the top one percent of one percent of one percent of the world of golfers just being in that tournament in the first place yeah and the fact that you got a top five in that i mean there has to be some some ignition there that really excites you and, and gets you going and 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 propels you and, and kind of springboards you into the next opportunity. But if you miss that because you say, man, winning was the only goal and I didn't achieve it and I'm a failure, I mean we miss out. So you yeah. just can't let it great be the enemy of good. No, I appreciate that, man, because you know I'm guilty. Like I said, I yelled guilty as charged. I mean, there's there's not enough times <laughs> where I will you know, like I sent you a picture yesterday of the studio. Get ready, man. Man, yeah, I can show yeah. you a picture of this thing a year ago. And, yeah. you know, a year ago, I was like, oh, man, that thing's terrible, right? And, and you just see this natural progression and you don't, you're so busy trying to get to that next level of whatever it is that you're doing and you don't yeah. enjoy the, the moment of right. you know, something right. like, wow, this is like a level up. Like, let's enjoy right. it. So I have a lot of work to do in that. And you know what? Yeah, we my wife... Do. When my wife Jacqueline listens to this episode, she goes, well, if you won't listen to me, maybe you listen to Trevor. Um, because <laughs> she'll tell you, like, dude, do you ever enjoy any win? I was like, no, I yeah. enjoy yeah, it. Enjoy. But like, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to go through the next wall now. So yeah. um, <clears throat> so let's lay on the plane here a little bit. I, I want everybody here to know how they can find you, how they can work with you, and how they can best support you. Right. So um, first off, social media. I mean, <laughs> social media is obviously where everybody's really connecting these days. And on, on Instagram and Twitter, mm-hmm. um, T-A, two claps, T-A, number two, claps. That's and I'll deal. put that in the show uh, notes, too. I'll make sure all yeah. your handles are in there. Right. But the reason why I want to mention that is because, you know, it's my, it's my opportunity to connect every single day. Um, it's part of my process. When I wake up, I, I put my, verse of the, my Bible verse of the day up there. Mm. You know, it's a foundation. It's an anchor for me as well. Um, and then I try to make sure that I am not so um, business oriented as it relates to my social media. Um, I do do business on there, but listen, I'm a whole person, right? Mm-hmm. I've got kids. I've got a beautiful wife. I, I love to compete. I love to play golf. Like there's all these different things, but I think people need to see real people so that they can dial in with what their process is. They want to see an example <laughs> of a real person. So I just try my best to be that example if at all possible. And um you know, some of the things that I have coming up is that in August, um, what I've started doing is working with people like Ben Newman and, mm-hmm. and seeing the stuff that you're doing and so forth is, you know, I'm speaking more deliberately and more purposefully now, you know, whereas, you know, people will call me, ask me to do a keynote speech. And I'd be like, okay, you know, and I just kind of show up and, yeah. and do my thing <laughs> and everybody loved it. And all of that, you know, through the years. And, um, you know, I've educated at a high level for a long time across the world and different places for different organizations. But for me, it's time for me to do exactly what we talked about earlier, which is start telling those authentic stories, right? And because there are bullet points in those stories that can really, really be valuable, not only for 
individual people as they're on their own personal journey, but for organizations, right? Big organizations, small organizations, and not just gyms in the fitness world, Mm -hmm. you know, major corporations, you know, there are things that I have been able to uh, have access to through a number of years and people, high performers that I've had a chance to affiliate with and associate with that I've learned a lot from, you know, when I go out on the golf course with, with players, some of my pros, you know, I'll teach them things. Now, listen, I'm a 14 handicap. Nobody mm-hmm. believes me when I hit the ball because they go, oh, no, no, come on, you're sandbagging me. But no, really, I mean, at, over the course of 18 holes, it all evens out to be, you know, about a 14 handicap. But I'm able to help scratch golfers and PGA Tour players and some of the best players in the world because I'm sharing stories with some of the, from some of the greats and sharing opportunities and sharing um, different types of events and things that have happened over a course of time in my experience. Mm-hmm. So um, I get a chance to take, it, it all evolves like exponentially, right? I get a chance to take the lessons that I've learned from PGA Tour winners and champions and Super Bowl champions and you know World Series champions. I get a chance to take the information that I've learned from them and share with others, not just in a direct way, but in a little more indirect way. And I can apply that to people's situations. So as a performance coach, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to share some of my failures, right? Mm-hmm. Be as transparent as possible. And, but also talk about how I was able to overcome those things and help other people overcome some of those same obstacles, not just through fitness, but also through, through organ, organizing their schedules, their daily planning and things like that to, to be able to be the best high performer that they can be. You know, you don't always have to look for high performers you know, to, to, to listen to what they're saying every day. You know, Sean, what I did one day was I said, man, I hear all these motivational speeches and talks and I hear people listening to everybody else's voice, like all the time. Like, why not listen to your own voice? Right. So I'm committed. And what I've been doing is is, (laughs) I've started recording a series of motivational talks for like me talking to me. If I can go back and coach and guide myself, what would I say to me? Right. And I'm shooting a series of those. Right. So it. now not only am I listening to, to the right things, I'm listening to my own voice and I'm reinforcing my own voice in my own head, hearing my own voice and inspiring myself. And I want to be able to encourage other people to do the same. So, you know, in the beginning of August, August 1st is when I'm going to launch it. I want to make sure that people know that I am available, not only for speeches and talks and keynotes and training and teaching and education, but also for that performance coaching that's helping organizations and individuals get better every day as well. There's so much alignment here, bro. So much alignment. Is there anything I can do to support you in that? You got to let me know. Um, absolutely. We can talk about some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I got some stuff we can chat about offline, um, you know, that, that I think we can have some synergy with. So, um, awesome. dude, awesome. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, anything you need from me to help you, you just ask me. Um, I've learned a ton for you from you and I'm hoping that I can continue to learn from you and do some amazing things with you. And, um, yeah, guys, so you, you've heard it here best. Um, I want you guys, if you're listening to really uh, dive into the show notes and find TA wherever he is on social media, connect with him. Um, see how real of a person he is. Uh, I don't think, um, I've talked to very many, solid people like TA. So connect with him, see what he's got going, go check him out. If you're in the Orange County area, you know, see what he's got going on, stop by um, and be a part of it. And uh, with that being said, guys, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys listening. And again, share the show with your friends. If we said something that made you happy, we said something that made you mad, share it along. If we, if we sucked, you don't have to, but I don't think we did. I think it was an amazing conversation. So 
So TA man, a big thank you uh, to you. And uh, My pleasure. I, I cannot wait to see what you do. Well, I'm honored to be here. And, um, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Keep inspiring and uh, keep helping people get better every day. You know, and if you need to get fired up, just give yourself two claps, baby. Boom, boom, two claps. You heard it. We'll drop the mic on that one. See you soon, guys. All right, baby. Take care. Two claps. Take care.